thing is, ADUs are the Wild West, especially here in California, because in its current iteration, it's so new. And with that means regulations are rapidly changing on a state level, on a county level, on a city level, and even smaller than that. Um, and because of the new opportunity, on one end, the demand has rapidly skyrocketed. Everyone is looking at either the rental and passive income potential for ADUs, or they're looking for the added space for family or boomerang kids coming back home or bringing their elderly parent, parents back into the home. Um, so there's the demand that has gone up. And naturally, when demand goes up, so does the supply side. So there are so, so, so many different players now over the past two or three years that have popped up into the ADU space. And that's anything from contractors who have been in business for 20 years, who either rebranded or created a new business, um, specifically around the concept of ADUs or garage conversions or prefab ADUs. Um, then other services that are streamlining the process, whether they're um, templating fixed materials to make the step-by-step -step process easier, or if they're helping with the design process because that's their specialty, or like you said, companies like mine that help homeowners through the process, answer the questions that are necessary and important to know even if the homeowner doesn't necessarily think of them. Um, and then first and foremost is making sure that folks are finding the right contractors who are best fit for their projects. So when it comes to the right approach, right? There's design build, there's finding an architect, getting plans drawn up, and then finding a contractor. And then there's any number of the newer concepts that I mentioned that are kind of combining that process. And I'm happy to discuss kind of the first few steps, but right now I wanna focus on just finding a contractor or picking the process right. from I have plans potentially and they're ready to I've signed on the dotted line, the contractor's breaking ground next week, right? And I even yes. break that down even finer down to first you need to find contractors. You need to know where to find contractors, good contractors. And then once you found a few, you need to have meetings with them, know how to have the right meeting, ask the right questions, make sure you're having the right conversation that's relevant to the project. And then getting bids and comparing those bids. And then finally, making sure that you've selected the right choice. And by that, I mean doing the full vetting that's important to do of evaluating that contractor or those two or three contractors that you think are the right fit just to make that final decision of who's really the right one. Um, so just like you, David, I've just said a million things. Uh, I, I don't even know what folks might wanna hear the most. I'm happy to keep talking. David, what do you think? Um, hey, I haven't, uh, if you guys want to uh, have a specific question, it can be about anything, put it in the Q&A uh, &A and we'll try to address it. Um, it. Until we get some questions, I have, I'm gonna ask a few, uh, John, is, is that, and share that, as I mentioned earlier, it took me about three months of a lot of work just to do what he was mentioning, you know, to, to find them, vet them, ask them, meet with them, discuss it. And, and I, I know, I've, I've been a property developer for 20 years. I know how to talk to them, but this was in our backyard, on our property. 
And it, it took on a whole new meaning. And it really was something that I did not expect. And I think that I wanted to share with people is that go into this with a lot of patience. Um, you shouldn't be in a rush. And then you should also look at, which <clears throat> really doesn't come up a lot, but it's kind of one of my, it's the drum I like to beat is ask the question of how is your accessory dwelling unit going to be built to what code? Most folks that you know we kind of talk to and we kind of work in, it's going to be to you know the California state codes, you know the Uniform Building Code, Title mm -hmm. Twenty Four. Those all kind of are the same thing or tied together. But right now in the marketplace, there are people out there that are offering manufactured homes built to a completely different code. There's also a lot of people out there with a lot of money um, <clears throat> offering to supply you a very inexpensive ADU, and it's built to the RV codes. Right. And, you know, and so, John, I look at that and I kind of shake my head. And there's a lot of folks that are, I think, genuinely interested. And I think that they may have a good value proposition and there's a part for them in the market because it's big enough. <clears throat> but they're not going out and saying, we are built to the RV codes, which means that this is for non-permanent uh, occupations, for temporary right. occupation. So it's not designed for somebody to live in all the time. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of issues with that. and I. But right now, we're just dealing with California state codes, energy codes, you, you know, local jurisdictions. And the local jurisdictions are all kind of have their own little... Um, nuances and I think that oh, the yeah. other part that I, I wanted to notice is is when you vet a contractor what a company like yours does is it, it ensures all those little tiny things that are critical like insurance mm -hmm. yeah yeah let me touch on that so before you go to start vetting contractors you need to find contractors now how do you find a good contractor that's the reason I that that question is the reason I started my company. And it's because there's really no good, no perfect way to find a good contractor. Everyone knows that, and I, I say this to all my clients, the number one best way, get a referral. Ask someone that you know and trust, whether it's family or friends. If you read it online, make sure it's from someone you know online, not just a random name on Facebook. Because everyone, especially as I mentioned in this industry with ADUs, is trying to make a quick buck, trying to play the game and get some easy business. And if you have a warm referral, if you know someone who has built an ADU in their backyard and they're in the same city, in the same area, that would be almost always my number one choice to start the relationship to start with meeting contractors from someone who's done it before and you know it. Um, if you don't have a good referral, then I say come to a company like mine, um, but also just in general, talk to someone who has experience in the space. Talk to architects who specialize in ADUs or have tons of experience with ADUs. Talk to real estate agents. Realtors have a lot of experience with contractors and more and more over the past few years have briefed themselves on ADUs and have the right contacts in that space. Talk to industry professionals who are not contractors to get referrals for good contractors. So now, maybe, oh, and then I would say, obviously many of us know websites like Angie's List or Yelp or what have you. 
Um, if you have no other option, that is the option, either that or the yellow pages or just Googling it. And really what it comes down to is sometimes the contractors that you find who have the best accolades on sites like these, hundreds and hundreds of reviews, then you start reading into the details and realize that, oh, oh, all these reviews kind of read the same. They wow. all sound kind of similar. Or wait a second, this contractor's only been in business for a year and a half and they have 150 reviews somehow, right? Um, and also, I guess it makes sense because that's how a business like theirs operates, but the contractors that come up to the top of those websites when you do a search, they're not necessarily the best ones. Oftentimes they're the ones who pay the most to show up at the top. That's good. So be very, very careful when you're finding a contractor on platforms like those. And I'll say just to cover everyone's behind, be very, very careful when hiring a contractor, no matter how you get them, whether it's from a referral or from a realtor or otherwise. So that's that's the finding contractors. Let's say you found a few contractors, you've seen pictures of their work, maybe on their Yelp and Angie's List profiles. They have a nice website where they seem to jive with what you're looking for. Then comes down to vetting contractors. To your point, um, it's easy to just find ADU contractors, book a dozen appointments, but then you're gonna waste half an hour to an hour each. That's 12 hours gone by and you don't know if they're any good. So that's when it comes down to vetting. Let's say you have an, a list, a short list of contractors that you're considering, exactly to the point that you started with David, make sure they're licensed. Please, please, please make sure that they have an active license, that it's been, that they've been in business for at least three years or at least have run a construction company as a general contractor for at least three to five years, and then goes down the list. Within the CSLB, the California State License Board website, you can punch in a business owner's name or their license number, and it'll give you all the information. It'll tell you how long they've been in business for. It tells you if they have a bond to their license. It tells you if they have active workers' compensation insurance. That, that one right there is probably one of the ones I have... Uh several years ago we our neighbors had some work done look they were very happy with it we said hey would you paint our house great and then we started doing the vetting process very quickly we found that the gc license that he used was his buddies mm -hmm. and wasn't his and that this other company was not going to give us an additional certificate of insurance because he didn't want to be hassled with it right. then with my prior work as a, a developer i've tried to say well hi i'd be happy to talk to you about the job let, and I go to vet them and I find out that they're a sole proprietor. One person, mm -hmm. which is a big red flag that I don't think very many people are aware of. Right. No, I, I mean, that that goes into the nitty gritty. And I have a list. I jotted down a list of red flags in case we make it to there. But that can certainly be a red flag where they're a sole proprietor, which essentially means that they sub out all of their work on paper which is not necessarily a bad thing. There are tons of good contractors who sub out 90% of their work, but if you want your contractor and therefore your project to have more control over timelines and budgets and just more control overall and more trustworthiness, it's better to, in my opinion, work with a contractor who has crews of their own that are their full-time employees 
and they go where they tell them rather than if I have to rely on my framing subcontractor and my foundation subcontractor, and then he happens to be booked out for the next right. three months. Well, there goes my client's project. So uh, when it comes down to screening, right, that's step one, check their license, look it up online. And one point that I have not touched on yet, that is very, very important, probably more important than anything else on their license at the top, right below their company info, if they have a complaint disclosure, this is when a client, a past client of this contractor who had such a disaster with the contractor and the contractor was unable to remedy the situation. So they reported them to the board. And if they, it shows up in bright red text, it's hard to miss. If they have a complaint disclosure on their license, click it, it'll give you some details around what the situation was, what violations they made. If you like a contractor and everything else sounds great, but they have a violation on their license, always have a candid conversation with them about it. It's not always going to be, oh, well, never mind, they have a violation, but always worth a conversation before signing anything because you want to know the full story of what happened and get a deeper understanding of if they are as trustworthy as you think they might be. So that's, that's their license. Beyond their license, um, one thing that it does not show up on the license website, on the California License Board website, is their general liability insurance. If you like a contractor, ask them to provide you with a copy of their general liability. And to your point where someone was using someone else's license, verify it. Call the insurance broker listed on the document. Verify that they are who they say they are and that they are insured. And also, it's always a good idea to ask if there have been any recent claims uh, by this contractor. Have there been any issues recently that I need to know about? That's a good um, one. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to ask because most people don't know about diving down that you know, and looking at that little detail. Because what is it that they're really you're, – you're putting at risk? Because if somebody doesn't have the right insurance – if if the contractor is not fully insured whether it's workers compensation insurance or general liability if there's property damage if one of the workers gets injured if they screw up the electrical and light the house on fire and they're not insured all the brunt of everything comes down on the homeowner there's right. very it's very hard to make a case against a contractor who's not insured and I'll say that typically if they have an active license and they're good on their license and they're also bonded, I can't say that you can anticipate that they'll be insured, but it's more reasonable to expect that if they're good, they're typically good all around. But nonetheless, always double check, always verify. Uh, I'm gonna rattle off a few more, uh, just real quick. Um, so you've checked the license on the website uh, you have made sure that their insurance, their work, their general liability insurance is good. Then when you're meeting with them, make sure you know who you're meeting with. Uh, sometimes they send a salesperson who you may never see again. Sometimes you'll be meeting with the owner or the project manager who will be managing the project every step of the way. Don't hire anyone until you meet with and know exactly who you'll be working with on a daily basis, because the salesperson might say all the right things. You sign the paper and then a week later the workers come and it's someone else completely and you don't get along with them and you don't like them and it's not the relationship that you expected. 
Um, and then if you like them and you think it's going in the right direction, always, always, always speak with references. Ask to get three to five references. I think it's important for an ADU project or any other type of project that you speak with a reference who is related. Or, sorry, that's the wrong term, but uh, for a related project, if you're considering an ADU, speak with references who that contractor has built ADUs for. Um, I, in addition to that, and this can be a little bit difficult because it's relatively new, but try to speak with someone of a reference who has finished it recently uh, within the past few weeks or past few months, who has kind of that recency effect of what the relationship was like, how the end result was. Even if you can talk to someone who's actively working with that contractor on an ADU, great idea. And then similarly, try to talk to a, con uh, a reference from that contractor who was from a year, two years ago, because that's going to give you the both sides of the insight that's really important to know. What was it like now and what was it like before? Um, I'd say those are probably a few of the top vetting steps that I think are most important. I have a half dozen others that are also imperative, but uh, if folks are interested, they can visit our website or we can submit it in the Q&A or we can post it otherwise. Yeah, I uh, got a question. We have a question, you know, uh, which website can we check the reputation of a contractor? And I am going to put that in the chat because I said I was going to answer it live, but I am going to put that for you here because it's, it is the California State License Board. So let me click on enter. So if you just go to that website, you can type in their name or their license number, make sure it all kind of jives. Perfect. Yeah, definitely. The, um, the other thing that I wanted to kind of touch on, because I know that what I've seen in threads on the group is, you know, these really low cost bids, these low pro what's it cost per square foot. Any of these things, these numbers that are below $200 a square foot, which is really, really low in my opinion. So I think that what those people are, and they may be very good people doing great work and they could be fully licensed and insured, but the conversation is kind of left because it is a, just a little message on a Facebook group page, but it's, it's the scope of the work that I think is important to kind of cover. Right. And what is it? They may do your, your foundation. They may do your utility runs. They may put all the walls. They may put up all, all the insulation and make sure that it, it, it is compliant to the t title 24 and they may you know call for all the proper inspections and they may meet with the inspector they may not they may be just somebody who's going to rely on you to do a, a significant part of that work acting and they're making the assumption that they're just going to be a project manager and you're going to be the right. owner builder owner builder means you're doing all the coordination or as in my case they left out almost every interior finish and so that's where I look at these low price numbers. Oh, I can do it for that much and it shouldn't take it. it if it looks too, I hate that say statement. If it looks too good to be true, it is. Right. Because how are you going to dive in and see all those important categories with different types of formatting and ways that they present that information? And that's what gave me a lot of stress. And that's what I get worried about uh, for people is that these folks that are getting them excited about a low cost affordable ADU builder, you know, we're, everybody's not singing from the same sheet of music. Exactly.
And, and I think that's a really, really good point. And it's no, it really comes down to knowing how to read a contractor's bid because every contractor that you meet with is going to give you a bid that looks completely different from the next one. So it's knowing how to break them down trade by trade or you know piece by piece so you know what you're reading and therefore make it easier to compare apples to apples when you have three different bids written by three different contractors. So I, I actually put together an ADU scope checklist. I don't know Good. if you use something for your project. I'm sorry if I didn't send it to you before, uh, but I like sharing that with my clients because typically if we're working with our clients, they send us all the bids they've received and we work with them over the phone or via email, breaking down piece by piece of here's this call out in this bid, here's this call out, this one calls for an allowance, this one says uh, you're responsible for materials, for finished materials, right? So it really comes down to taking different piecemeal bids, structuring them in a similar way so you know that, oh, bid number one included all of the finished materials, bid number two only says rough. And bid number three also includes appliances. That might explain why it's a couple thousand dollars higher, yeah. right? So yeah, I noticed that we just got a that question, question. Uh, about how to, how to evaluate GC bids. I'd say there's no right or wrong between owner buying materials versus creating allowance for it. It really comes down to personal preference. But when it comes down to reading bids, it... I think I touched on a lot of it just now and David maybe highlight anything I might've missed, but it's making sure that you can read it apples to apples and making sure that you have your priority list of here is what I want in my project. Here's what I want in my finished ADU, whether it's a mini split or a washer and dryer uh, or a dishwasher, whatever it is, a skylight, can lighting, um, make sure that your preferences match exactly what's written out in the bid itself. Yeah, and I think that that's important to Patrick's question. It is it is very difficult because the formatting on the contractor's bids are also different. You and because they're so they're loaded with so much information. And one of the things that I think is difficult to do is to look at your plans schedule of things like windows, doors, they're going to have all the exact measurements and they're going to say how many you need and does your contractor bid include like uh, john just said an allowance or have they priced them have they sourced them do they know from their provider that that's what they're going to cost some people on the group have said that they've sourced their own materials themselves and they've gone and done it early as an example windows are taking a very long time to order oh yeah but the thing is where are you going to keep those windows and doors and parts? Are you do you have your enough room in your garage or your backyard? And if this thing takes six months, are those materials going to be covered safe and secure so that they're not going to be stacked in some wonky way that your door now is bent or your windows don't work because again they've something may have happened to them. Sure. There, it, it's a good thing to look at. Um, some people have touted their experiences and their successes. The one thing I don't think we see very often are the failures. Mm -hmm. People have really kind of went, ah, oh, shucks, I should have done it differently. But I think that was a really good question. And it is one to ask, very difficult for kind of us to answer it in a generic universal way. But it's, that's why it's good to kind of have these things. 
We're going to continue to have Ask a Pro. We're going to continue to engage in the deep dives into these topics that are really, really hard to tackle. And because you really can't address them, the best way to address them is a per project basis and really kind of comparing apples and apps. Like here's a project and here are some of the things that were presented on it. And that's also hard to do because there is 8,700 members in How to ADU, which wow. is amazing. It's oh, incredible. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people that want to know these things. I would probably, I would want to know from you, John, because again, I like, I love the whole idea of, you know, the warm blanket and kind of doing the work. But as people kind of start this process and they're looking at all of this, this stuff, again, the wild, wild west, mm -hmm. what are your recommendations, you know, as we kind of wrap up to say, what would some, what's the, for you, if you were going to do it, what would you suggest is a good way to kind of even begin and start? So I'll say first and foremost, what folks are most often surprised by is that the city or county can be helpful. Oftentimes folks find companies like mine um, or ADU manufacturers for prefab or whatever else, or they start working with an architect without ever having first gone to the planning department at their city and asked about their specific property. And I'd say that is a very, very important place that many folks should start because folks can ask us what they're allowed to build on their property. They can ask an architect and all we can tell them is what the regulations say and what the property looks like the city would allow. But at the end of the day, the city is the one who makes that decision and right. they can in various varying degrees of effectiveness, but they can still give you a very good and direct answer of, yes, you can build a second story, but it cannot be higher than 25 feet. Or no, you cannot build an ADU in your backyard because you don't have enough space. However, yes, you can convert your garage and add another 200 square feet if you would like. And it's a lot of those things that folks think they should get from an architect or a contractor. And I'll say it's not necessarily wrong, but oftentimes the contractor or the architect is going to tell you what they think is right. And even if they you spend $10,000 on plans and you already have floor plans and love everything, and then they submit it to the city, that architect cannot guarantee it's going to get approved. It comes down to the city. So that's what I would say as far as one of the really important things to start with. And then another important thing is how to ADU and folks and organizations like it. I'd say there are more and more excellent resources, especially as the rest of us industry professionals get a better understanding of how it works and how the cities and the various counties interact with projects like ADUs. So Google it, look it up online, ask the questions you're looking for in groups like how to ADU and get insights from folks who have done it before. I think a lot of people is obviously everyone here is doing exactly that because you guys are, I believe, mostly a part of how to ADU. And I think that's a really good place to start. And then also just start having conversations. There's different types of contractors. Like I mentioned, there's uh companies like a design build firm where you work with one team that develops plans, handles the entire permitting process, handles construction, they hand you the keys at the very end. Some of them can even find you a tenant, 
right? So there's streamlined, seamless processes like those, but sometimes a design build firm will charge a bit of a premium for the convenience that comes with it. And I'd say also that streamlining of having the same team can often make the project get finished faster as well. Uh, on the other hand, there's the polar opposite. There's the complete opposite side of hiring an architect or a drafts person, having them develop the plans in either you or them, submit those plans to the city. And then once you have those plans approved, then go and find a general contractor. That's the polar opposite side. There's good reasons about it. There's bad reasons to work with a contractor in that capacity, kind of separating it. Um, but it's not necessarily wrong. I, I love different ways that it can be done when it comes to ADUs. And then People certainly they make the question, ask themselves how much time they want to devote to this. Right. How, I think the most important things here come down to how much time do you want or do you have for a project like this? What is the budget that you're willing to allocate to a project like this? And then also, what is your goal for the project? Is it a rental unit where finished materials don't really matter, they just need to be good enough? Or is it for your family to enjoy on for movie nights or to use as a gym, right? So what you want to use it for now, and also important to think about what you might want to use it for five, 10, 20 years down the road, because this is a permanent structure and it's going to stay on that property. Um, so knowing your goal and your intentions with the project will make it a lot easier for you to understand which type of contractor might be best. And another one that I haven't touched on even yet, and we haven't talked about much yet, is prefab ADUs. I've seen a lot, so, so many different types of prefab um, iterations of different prefab units that are 3D printed or made out of storage containers. And they're super cool, very innovative. Um, they're not always the best option. For some, David, to your point, if time is the biggest priority, if I want minimal site work, I have under a month to let someone be on my property, prefab could certainly be the right way to go. Um, so knowing what type of project you want to do, how much time you have, what your goal is, and what your budget is are the three most important questions to ask yourself as you're starting this ADU journey. I want to jump into that one, but before we do, Patrick had another question. Is there a list that people can look for that kind of has that checklist again, like for the scope of work? Uh, to be specific, it was, is there a GC scope of work assessment checklist available anywhere that you've seen? Um, only the one that I created. I haven't seen it anywhere else, but I also haven't looked. Um, but I don't know, Patrick, what the easiest way it would be to get it to you. Um, if it would be helpful, uh, I'll take any branding off of it. Uh, David, I can send it to you and we can send it out to anyone who registered. I, on, on, this, on, this, on this format, John, I think if you wanted to type in your email address into sure. the chat, I think that would be helpful. And then, uh, Patrick, we do want to keep the tone and tenor of how to ADU and tax, so we don't want to do a lot of promotion, but reach out to sharing information is a great way to do it. Oops. Reach out to John. He's super responsive. And I think that that way um, he'll be able to get you that. And that's, that's wonderful because that's uh, really nice of you to do it. So the prefab things as folks are, are looking down those things, I always, and again, I look at it in a, in a, in a very different way. And one that is very kind of obtuse. It is very hard to sometimes look through and see 
and identify them as the, the building codes. Is it built to Title 24, which is the energy efficiency, which um, goes along with uniform building code with the state of California. So energy efficiencies, your local jurisdiction, that's Title 24 UBC California building codes. That's stick built. It's a stick built uh, code. The next is, and that's probably the easiest that you're, if you're getting a loan, you want to get a HELOC, you were going to want to do refinancing. Having something built to Title 24 is probably the easiest for an appraiser that's going to go in there and evaluate. Mm -hmm. I like the polar opposite that you kept saying is for me in this scenario are RVs, things that are built for um, occasional occupation, not specifically in the code. It says not for, you know, continual occupation. An RV code um, is something that you're going to get sometimes super quick. That's the only thing in the market that I've seen that they're saying that it's going to be under 100000 and you can get it really, really quick. But there's nobody doing really, really quick. Um, one of the things that I've been doing for a long time is working as a manufactured home dealer. That is large, big homes, go up to 3,000 square feet, ADUs, you know, down to 300 square feet. But right now, we're not working in that space. I'm not working as a manufactured home dealer, even though I don't have my license, because it is taking 18 to 24 months to get one product built. Wow. The very popular and people, the company, that if you Google ADUs, it'll pop up and say hi. They'll have a bunch of links. That company is offering manufactured homes as ADUs, and right now they are so far behind in delivering their product um, it's really unfortunate because it is taking almost two years to do. So we're looking at, there are components that are out there where you can get them done a lot quicker. You can kind of jumpstart your ADU project, do some homework, uh, just like John said, post it in how to ADU, and then they're not gonna necessarily allow you to kind of say and promote your, uh, the company that may have the answer or the product for you to look at is not gonna type it in. They're gonna send you a direct message and then look at it. And if you need to have to vet them, just ask if anybody's used them before. And see if right. they, like you said, and you're 100% right, do you have any references? Do you have any customers you you can share with me that had, that has done this? Um, we have one more question. Oh, you're very welcome, uh, Patrick. I really appreciate that. I'm glad you're here. And uh, One thing that I just wanted to touch on briefly, and I'd say this, this, is relevant to anyone looking for any kind of contractor, especially large scale projects. But to keep it on topic, certainly for an ADU, speak with references and whether it comes to a prefab unit, a 3D printed unit, or even a stick built unit, uh, a stick built ADU, if they have local experience and they've completed an ADU in your neighborhood, maybe down you know, on the other side of the 405, whatever, Ask them if they're comfortable showing it to you. Many contractors who are proud of their work, their clients are ecstatic with the quality of work. They love to show it off. So it's not unreasonable to say, okay, I spoke with a few references, but I really want to take a look and get a feel for the quality of workmanship. And that's not out of question. Uh, I wouldn't, I can't say that every contractor is comfortable with it because sometimes their clients aren't cool with it, but always a good question to ask to see. Um, but I would say first, certainly really, really important when it comes to these new concepts of prefab, 3D printed, whatever, because it's so much different than 
stick built construction an adu a stick built adu is built essentially the same way as your house is built so it's all this to your point david it's all the same codes and regulations that contractors have been following for many years yeah the other the other part of it and, and jose i got you we're going to answer your question here in just a second thank you for that is the the fact that if you get one of these rv built coded things and again you have to really really press them on the question i did with one popular company and never got an answer and it's because they're built to the rv but they're calling themselves modular some people also say that they're prefabricated because in the state codes with hcd if it's built in a fact it has to be it's a the title's factory built and in the definitions it says built to the uniform building code title 24 local mm -hmm. jurisdiction so people are banding about these terms and you have to really kind of scrutinize them and ask the question. Again, feel free to post it on a how to, AD, um, how to ADU because I would love to dive into that. So here's another critical thing about if you're thinking of something that is Title 25, it is chattel. I know, unique word. We don't really talk about chattel. It's personal property. It's like a car or an RV. If that is placed on your property, then and it's you're renting it out and you're doing whatever you want to and you've already done all the insurance and you know you're fine and safe and protected great but if you go to refinance that or you uh, sorry if you go to sell your property and you have just an rv or personal property situated on your property that item that adu is going to have to be moved out so you're selling your property you have an adu that is chattel personal property it's going to have to be moved off they do, lenders will not lend with something like that that is not attached with a permanent foundation system. Wow. So that also means that you have one of these little RV things, little boxes, and that's sitting there. You're going to have to get rid of it. Uh, and we heard that from Hillary Sire with Umqua Bank, and she's a lender in this space, and I thought that was really insightful. When we had Ask a Pro, now episode one, she shared that, and I'm like, I did not know that. Uh, the other <laughs> thing is when you're building uh, a junior ADU, you have to live in the, the part of the unit. That's been another question that, that we've seen a lot of. So the JADU is gonna be within the, the structure of the house. So you have to live in either one of the main house or the JADU, you have to live in that primary structure. You don't have to with a, a detached ADU in the back, you could rent both out and get income from that. Um, so I just wanna kinda of cover that one thing. Um, Jose, Jose's question, I'm not sure if you saw it, John. Yeah. He just uh, paid the demolition fees. My question is, so I just paid the demo fees. My question is, does an inspector have to come to the property site to see that the garage to inspect before it gets a permit? I think what you're asking is that, yes, you're going to have to have them come out and look at it. Um, I would ask if you're having a contractor do the demolition, Jose. Uh, and because then you're probably going to have to submit some sort of a drawing to the or you know the city or the county where you're going to have it, uh, where you're going to have to pull the permits. Uh, I just visited a job site that a contractor that we're using is doing with a garage, and they had to actually the, the slab is not going to be usable because it's not thick enough and doesn't have the reinforcements. So they had to cut out around the outside of the concrete that was there and then form up hmm. so that the concrete would then be at a higher, the new concrete would have to cover and encase the old slab wow. 
and then do a bunch of other sort of very exotic things you know, that on paper aren't that exotic, but when you see it, it is just really super impressive. So yes, it, I'm sure if you have a demo permit, after that, de after you've demoed, depending on what's gonna be left, you wanna have it looked at. I'm not sure if that answered your question. So if it didn't, just let us know. Uh, let's see, okay. Um, so Jose, if you have anything else, just let us know. Um, as we kind of wrap up, I want to say that, you know, just kind of take the time, do what John said and was his advice. Look at what you're going to be doing. Are you going to talk to an architect? Are you going to be just getting some designs? Do you need to have a contractor and have a conversation and vet them? There's a lot of nuances and subtleties that are critically important because they could not only save you a lot, a lot of time, energy, and effort, but they also can give you a great deal of protection. And I think that's something that we really don't talk about is the protection factor um, because they're working on your, your home. And if, if somebody hurts themselves and you hired somebody who's unlicensed, you are going to be the employer and you're going to pay for that person's medical expenses. Mm -hmm. You're going to pay for if they're disabled, whatever the, the courts grant that person as compensation for that injury. <clears throat> so I would not like to suggest anybody play Russian roulette by hiring an unlicensed contractor. Um, reach out. John put his email out there. If you have any questions, please uh, do that. Also, too, we will be posting this um, on our social media platforms, and we'll probably have some branding put on that'll make it a lot easier to get a hold of, and as well as some links to our various websites. Um, so thank you, everybody. I know we still have a few people on here this webinar. We really appreciate your time today. We're going to continue be, to be doing, you know, Ask a Pro series and feel free. John, you were also on the Facebook page so How To ADU. And so if you're looking to get in touch with him, go to the How To ADU and just he'll pop up, send him a direct message, ask him a question and feel free to reach out that way. Um, you're very welcome, Kendra. Thank you for being here. And let's see. You're very welcome, Sandra. Uh, thank you. You guys have a, anything else you want to uh, end on, John? I, I would like to make my closing statement, David. Um, thank you. First off, thank you to How To ADU for having me on. Thank you, David, for hosting and putting all this together. Uh, I'm excited to be featured in episode two of many, many more. Um, and if I have to leave everyone here, with one last thing, with one last piece of advice is when we are meeting with contractors, it's just our instinct to evaluate them and decide on the right one based on two things, the price and our gut feeling. Contractors, especially the ones who are good at selling are good at selling. So at that first meeting, maybe at that second meeting, they may seem great. You, you might think they're perfect but without doing the necessary vetting, without doing everything that we've highlighted today and a handful of other steps that are also important, you don't really know and it's hard to separate the good from the bad. So don't trust your gut. Don't pick the lowest bid. Make sure you're making an educated and informed decision. And most importantly, because I encounter this far too often, do not sign any paperwork unless you are fully confident with that contractor. I have seen a few things recently in the past year or two that the client was told that, oh, you're just signing here to agree that we're having this meeting. This doesn't mean anything else. 
And now they're in a legal battle because the contractor's demanding they pay them because they signed what the client didn't know was a contract. So don't go with your gut and don't sign anything unless you're confident and ready to move forward. Because what is the, and we didn't touch on this, but what is the contractor's leverage? If they have, they can put a deed restriction. They put it, if, um, what, they can record something against your Put a lien on your, your property? property? Right. Exactly. They, if, if something in that contract or whatever you sign says that they'll do X for Y amount of money, you owe them Y amount of money. And then they are allowed to, with their license, to attach and record against your property. So if you're owed, they say they're owed $50,000 and you're saying no, and you're, again, legal battles, which are horrible, but then they could just attach it and kind of force the issue. Little things not to get too worried about if you go the right direction and you do your homework like we're advocating for, but this is a reason why you always hire a licensed contractor and you do the work. John, thank you very much for all of your time. Thank you again to everybody that joined us. Uh, feel free to reach out through the How To ADU uh, Facebook page if you're not a member of that. Um, you can just Google David Donahue or Google Johnny and we will try to get in touch. Everybody have a wonderful day and have a great weekend. Bye. Thanks, everyone.